Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Soma Mama podcast. I am delighted to introduce you to our wonderful guest that we have on the pod today. His name is Randy Maloney, and he is a yoga instructor, amongst many other things, in the greater Philadelphia area. We recently met doing a advanced yoga teacher training at the Well Studio, which is located in Fishtown uh, in Philadelphia. I will happily pop the details to that studio in the show notes um, as it is lovely, so very lovely. Um, and Randy and I, so I want to share a little bit. Of, I always like to share how my guests on the podcast, how our, cross, our paths crossed. And Randy and I had this cool kismet connection. So obviously we met in in the training and much of what we shared across this 30-hour teacher training resonated and we kind of felt our spirits match and align in several ways. Um, part of the training was we all, there were about, let's just try 20 of us in the training. We all had to do a 30-minute teach back throughout the, the eight weeks. And so off, so that meant that two teachers would teach in one three-hour training every every one of the weeks and randy and i were paired together on the last week which just felt so i just felt so right and um we we led our ourselves and our peers through a wonderful practice and um since we've just felt uh felt that energy to continue to connect and share our stories and get to know each other a little bit more. So I'm I'm so excited to to learn more about Randy's story on the podcast today. It's I always get a little jittery, like jitter excitement, just um, wondering what will surface. Um, and as as most of you know who listen, or maybe you've been on the podcast, know that I'm like, hey, we're just gonna have a conversation and we're gonna see where it goes. And and that's what I love about about human connection, right? We never really know where it's going to go. I don't want this podcast to feel super contrived or structured. Um, so that's all to say. Thank you listeners for being on along for the ride. And Randy, thank you for being here today. I am going to pass the mic over to you so you can give us a little introduction about yourself. Hi, Courtney. Uh, thank you so much for that lovely introduction. I it's been such a joy getting to know you and um, the time that we've had together and just the conversations have, are just, I find it very nourishing to my spirit. I have been in Philadelphia for over 10 years and just recently kind of committed to the city. Um, and, you know, and that meant for me, you know, buying property in the Fairmont um, area of Philadelphia um, next to my yoga studio that I teach at. And I'm just really excited that to have made that decision for myself and also just really excited for the community connection that I have begun to really cultivate in my yoga studio. And, and yoga is such a big part of, of my healing journey, of, of where I've where I continue to step into these scary spaces, these places um, inside myself. And through yoga, I'm able to step in them. And, and every time I surrender to whatever it is, the lesson that I need to learn, understand, you know, the takeaways from whatever it is that I'm feeling, 
or have it, you know, or trying to process whatever experience I've, I'm kind of get through, I, I step out of that with much more clarity and focus. And I just, I love that I can do that for myself. I love that I can do that. I've done it so many times in my life and I will continue to do them, right? It doesn't stop, you know, the, the journey. And I'm just excited to be here in this space, in this time of my life with, with what I know now. Mm, that's oh, so beautiful. And I want to lead, I want to segue with that last piece that you said of like, I'm so happy to be here with what I know now. And what I hear in that, Randy, is so much self-compassion, whether or not you are aware of that. And I know self-compassion is deeply rooted into yogic philosophy. And I also know, knowing part of your story, which I'm looking forward to, to sharing with our listeners a bit more, is that yoga is something you've come in that's come into your life um, more recently, um, given the spectrum and the span of your life. And it brings me so much joy noticing, one, the impact that it's had on your entire being and essence and life. Um, and then two, just like from an intrinsic point of perspective, knowing in my life how much yoga has impacted my journey, it's like it brings all the more empathy and understanding and joy um, to your journey. Uh, so, Randy, why don't you tell us a little bit about, yeah, how you like how you came into yoga, how you decided to do a 200 hour training, what that looked like for you. Um, and I also know you are in a, a Pilates instructor training currently as well. So, so what brought you there? Uh, wow, that's that's such a a big question and it's such an important question. Um, it really starts from my childhood. I um, my parents were born in Mexico. Um, I very low income, and there was just a lot of domestic violence within my household, you know, between my, my mother, my mother, father, and, 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 you know, me involved in it. And really the violence was coming from my father, you know, physically, verbally, mentally, and just watching my mother kind of take the brunt of all of that anger. And there at the age of nine, there was a domestic violence incident where it kind of, in a way, looking back now, it kind of shattered me um, in, in just in so many ways. And um, speaking to my mother years later about, you know, what had happened and, and why and what and, and what kind of caused her to wake me up in the, in the middle of the night for us to just kind of escape and leave and, and never look back. And, you know, her understanding was, you know, the next time was going to probably be her last. He was probably going to kill her. And she knew she had to go. And, and at nine years old, we just kind of started this, you know, that, that evening, it was this mother-son journey, right? My mother also had me at a very young age in her teenage years. So she was also a very young mother, um, uneducated mother, and um, with, with no income, no job, uh, really. And we kind of went wherever anybody would take us. And it kind of, you know, needless to say, like my childhood was chaotic. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I don't think I've ever really knew what it felt to feel safe. Uh, I also knew that, I mean, I, I always knew that I was a very sensitive child and you know, person, but even then as, as a young boy, um, I was so sensitive. I always understood that my mother's needs were more important than mine. And I think that it kind of just evolved into becoming this, this story that I played out as I got older, where there was almost like helplessness in me, where I didn't know how to ask for what I wanted or even get what I wanted, because there was really no space for that for me. And, you know, as I navigated higher education, um, the, the military, um, various like career paths that I've taken in, in education and, and just in different kinds of roles and spaces. I, at 35 years old, I had a health crisis and my, my body was literally falling apart. And, you know, I was kind of this auto, autoimmune disease kind of just took over my body and really but there was just so much pain. I couldn't walk. I was kind of losing my vision in one eye. <laughs> it was pretty unreal. And it was really um, symptomatic, a manifestation of everything that I was holding in, everything that I didn't want to deal with, because it was just too much. It was just too much. It was, I had to keep going. I had to keep surviving. I had to keep living. And, but not knowing at the time that by not, by not me kind of addressing these, these early childhood wounds and just like this behavior patterns that I've developed, these survival, you know, patterns that I've developed, I was really just numbing myself with whatever it is, you know, whatever I chose to kind of numb myself with, um, food, you know, whatever that looked like. And it, 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 it caught up with me. You know, you can really run away from yourself for so long until you really have to, to really reckon with the truth and, and see yourself for who you are. And when my body was, you know, you know, manifested in this autoimmune disease and I, and I had to see a specialist, actually several, and we'll get a diagnosis. And then this, this two year long kind of understanding of what this disease me meant and how to care for myself and the medications that I need to take, take to, you know, to kind of contain it. I, I, I found yoga and, and it was difficult. <laughs> it was challenging. Uh, yoga had a way of providing these moments of stillness, right? Movements of breath, um, the philosophy of yoga, all of these, these parts of yoga that really challenged me, actually gave me almost a framework to, of self-inquiry and self-care, to be quite honest. I, to me, yoga is self-inquiry and self-care. And it really opened me up to start sitting with myself and sitting in these scary places, right? And start working through them and start healing. And when you're 35 years old and you can't see and you can't move because you're in so much pain, 
it kind of does something to you. you. You start to really look at how fragile we are, our bodies are, our animal bodies, and that nothing's permanent and nothing is guaranteed in life. And I just wanted to be healthy again. <laughs> and I'm so happy that I made that choice to, to be healthy. You know, whether, you know, in the sphere of like mental health, spiritual health and physical health, I knew that if I didn't have my health, I didn't have anything. And I'm just so in love with the yoga community, the yoga practice, the yoga um, way of living, you know, the framework, the philosophy that it, it, it kind of gifts you with. And I'm just kind of just so excited to, to have something, this connection to movement and breath and Pilates is becoming that as well. Very different, different type of power. Um, but as I evolve as a person, I, I start to understand that movement is becoming a huge theme in my life. And it's just really exciting. I mean, we're meant to move. <laughs> we're meant to expand. Um, we're meant to be curious and explore. And now I see when looking back at those times where I was very closed off and in my pain and not really dealing with myself, very, very contracted. I was very much in my trauma and, and not really living, not living in the way that I wanted to. Mm. Yes. Oh, Randy, you, I'm just continuously enamored by your wisdom in, in the conversations that we've had. And uh, there's so many nuggets and one-liners that I can, I can pull out from what you just shared. And I will, um, I will name a couple that really stood out to me. And, and first, I want to thank you for, for sharing the parts of your journey that have really shaped you in such a way um, to, to, bring you to be the person that you are today, showing up and honoring your holistic health from mental, spiritual, physical, emotional, as you named. Um, and there's so much of what you spoke to, I deeply resonate with uh, as well, such as learning to, at an early age, to take care of someone else's needs over your own, um, which for those of you listening and know a bit about child development, it's, it's very backwards. Um, as, as children, we are very vulnerable and we are meant to be guided and taken care of. And as most of us know, that's not always the case um, given, given our upbringing, given our family systems, et cetera. Um, and another thing that, that stood out to me, Randy, is just you mentioning like I – in hindsight, realizing like I was really just numbing myself with whatever that was at the time. Um, as so often with trauma, we, one, I want to name that when people hear the word trauma, it can be activating, um, rightfully so, as we all hold different types, um, different severity, different calibers of trauma. Um, but, but, also, society has kind of made it out to be this big, scary word. Um, and I really want to normalize that, that, I don't want to undermine trauma by any means in saying this, but I also want to normalize like it being okay and it not not having 
to be this big scary word um and being for example being a body worker like doing craniosacral therapy myself i often tell people like hey stubbing your toe is is trauma to your body (laughs) like tweaking your shoulder is trauma to your body right just to to try to reframe it doesn't have to be the the big t traumas like the physical emotional sexual abuse um that oftentimes our mind goes straight to um and and I also really love that you framed yoga um, as this process of self inquiry and self self care, and it, it brought me back to one of um, Kobe Kozelski's um, no butchered that Zwolinski's Kobe Zwolinski's book that we read. It's called One Degree Re- Revolution, and I will put it in the. Um, the show notes um but she talks about how like yoga is yoga has no answers um but like endless inquiry and i like i love that and i love that it can be so individualistic for for the person right it can be shaped to um to kind of what your your needs are, whether those are conscious or subconscious, whether those are physical or spiritual, whether those are emotional, whether they're, I do yoga because it it helps me build community. Um, and, and lastly, I just wanna express my joy around your statement. Like I'm so happy to, that I made the choice to be healthy um, as, as I am as well. I'm, I'm so happy to be having this conversation with you um, and I would equally be ha- happy to ha- be having this conversation with you five to seven years ago when things were looking differently. Um, and I just, I mean, that's the spectrum of, of life and the human experience. And, and as you stated, how wellness and health can, can change on a dime. Um, and we never really know what that will be or when that will be. Um, Segwaying a little bit, I, I want to hear from you, um, one, like some the parts of yogic philosophy, maybe it's yamas or niyamas, maybe it's just the asana, like that really call out to you. Um, and then two, like what brings you joy in, in sharing those with other people and what in teaching yoga specifically? Uh, that's a great question, Courtney. Um, Immediately, I want to say I want to bring up Svadhyaya or, or self-study. Uh, it's just been such a, it's such an important practice to have, to be able to look at yourself and 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 stay curious, uh, or feel something and stay curious and recognize that it's not permanent. No feeling is permanent. However, like, what is it kind of trying to tell you? you know, what, where's, what's the lesson here? And can you learn from it? And, you know, here's, I I really want to bring in, so this last, you know, 20 years of my life where self-study wasn't a huge part of my practice. And I continued that cycle of suffering, right? Just continuing to do the same things that um, weren't really serving me or, really pushing me forward or moving me forward to, to change and to behavioral patterns that were nourishing to my spirit, that were nourishing to my physical being. And I just love teaching that as a yoga instructor. I love offering the invitation to, to pause and 
and ask yourself and, and ask that question of, are you allowing space to feel your true emotions? And we're so, we, you know, we can really lose ourselves in our work sometimes and our families and our daily tasks and all of our responsibilities and really feel like we have no time or space to really sit with anything. We're just kind of moving. And it can really be such a disservice to, to us if we don't give ourselves that space and an opportunity to, to really practice that self-study. I, it's something that I've talked to you about in past conversations and the importance of, of what that means to me. And it's something that I continue to practice and it doesn't, it, it really frees me, it liberates me <laughs> to be able to, to continue to say no and yes to life, like to parts of life that come up um, and not feeling obligated and not feeling guilty and not feeling like I have to do this because of this expectation. And one thing that I've really learned through self-study is that, you know, people really like you when they're doing what they, what they want you to do. And coming from the childhood that I came from and that I, that I kind of grew up in, making sure all the adults were happy was very important to me. It was really the only way that I got attention, the only way, uh, the only way I was getting any kind of um, validation. And it is a behavioral pattern that I kind of carried on as I grew older. And as an adult, in my late 30s, you know, turning 40 very soon, it's, no, I don't have to do that. And can you still respect me and care for me even when I am not doing what you want me to do at that moment? And it's just been so liberating to understand that about myself and to be able to let others know it's, there's, you know, please listen to yourself. <laughs> do what makes sense for you and don't feel like you have to do anything when you don't. Ah, oh, yes. And like right away what's surfacing so I can literally feel this mantra like lifting in my essence is what you do offers people an invitation to do I'll just finish it with dot, 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 like to do it as well, to do it differently. Um, and that could be for the better or for the worse, right? When we think about like peer pressure or group think, it's like, oh, okay, well, if you're doing that, I'm doing that. Um, but, but putting it in the framework of yoga, it's like, and we talked a lot about this in one of our sessions in our, in our 30 hour training around holding energetic boundaries, which is something I'd love to talk to you about. Uh, Randy and like there's so much power and integrity and as a yoga teacher like standing in your own and standing in your your authenticity and in your boundaries and offering that um, as an invitation for students to to also do the same um, and it's like what's so beautiful about that is it's it's like boundaries and authenticity obviously is a somatic 
felt sense. It's a physical sense. And it's also a mental sense. It's an emotional sense. And this is where we could get into talking about the koshas and yoga and how we have a physical body and an energetic energy body and a bliss body, et cetera. Um, that's, that's around I could totally geek out about. Um, but I also want to shed light real quick on, and when you said, you know, I learned pretty early that like people really like, um, like you when you were doing what they want you to do. And I'm going to say that again, for those of you listening, people really like you when you are doing what they want you to do. And my inner social worker, therapist in training was like, and, and also an avid people pleaser myself was like, damn, that is a stomping ground for perfectionism and for people pleasing, especially for the younger versions of ourselves, the, the child, the adolescent self um, that, that only knows those behavioral patterns. Um, and as you said, Randy, um, it's something that was brought to your awareness through self-study in adulthood and realizing like, ah, oh, shit, like these don't serve me anymore, <laughs> right? Um, so, so yeah, talk to us a little bit about like, when you think of energetic boundaries, what comes up for you? When you think about like saying no and integrity, what, what, how do you feel in your body? And what are, what are some Randy tidbits that you could share with our, with our listeners? Hmm. I have to think about that one for a second. I, it's such, it's been such a journey to get to that place. And I still struggle with it sometimes. Um, there are people that I care for that invite me somewhere or uh, would like me to, you know, attend something with them, you know, or do something in it. And I really, have to give myself that space because my immediate my immediate response is like yes <laughs> uh, I want I want you to feel happy I want us I want you to still like me right it's it's such a people pleasing can be really hard to to let go of when there's no other kind ways that you've kind of created for yourself for these boundaries and boundaries has been such a practice for me and one that I will continue to practice. And I'm just no longer apologetic. I'm no longer apologetic for putting myself first, uh, putting my needs first and not in that selfish way. You know, people love to accuse you of being selfish for saying no or not giving, you know, giving into their demand or, you know, or their request. And it's so not, that's so not the case. I love when people take care of themselves. The more that I can give myself self-compassion and self-love, the more that I can give it to other people. I encourage people to, to say no to me, to negotiate with me if that's, if that's what they wanna do. I mean, I'm open to different things. I wanna, I wanna meet you where you're at and I'm hoping you can meet me where I'm at. And I can give you some examples. I mean, I, I think there's just one really good one that I have been using for a while now because I found it was a very powerful moment for me. Um, at work, 
I, we, you know, we're giving, we're given our work, you know, caseload and we kind of, um, you know, get our, get our day's work, our week's work, our month's work. And I remember just, you know, really trying to make my boss happy and getting my work done as efficient and as quickly as I could. And then I just recognized the more that I did, the more that I was expected to do. And the more that I was expected to just take on, even when I didn't have to. And there was this one moment where my boss at the time asked me to, and I've actually, there, she stopped asking. You see, that's the thing when you don't set up boundaries. She just gave it to me. And here I am, you know, getting really anxious and, you know, it's, and have to make this deadline when it wasn't never mine to take on. And it was this moment where I was like, no. I emailed back and I'm, I'm like, no, I, I've, I'm not going to take this on. And, and no, I don't. And it was like this response, you know, this reaction that I got. It was ah, like, well, I'm not asking you for more than, you know, this. And I'm asking you to be a team player. And I'm asking you to, um, to just help us out. And I'm thinking in my head, it's like, well, I want to be a team player. I want, I want to make the team happy. I want, it, I want everybody to, I want us to meet our goals. However, no. I've done my, I've done enough work today. I'm mentally exhausted. I want, I want the energy to be able to go and practice yoga, to go and, and practice Pilates or whatever it is that I want to do, or even have time for loved ones, right? I, it's, it's that energy that you have to kind of balance and understand how much you can really give in a day. And it was really the moment where I really broke through because it was an authority figure, my boss, that I was able to really just say no to. And I'm just so happy that I, I can do that. I'm so happy that I'm here. And I encourage anyone to, to really just be very mindful of their energy, their energe energetic boundaries, and really put themselves first when they can, <laughs> when it's not theirs to take on. Yes. Oh, it is so like, this is, I'm actually kind of giggling right now because um, I was talking to a friend a couple weekends ago about how she's reading the book, Codependence No More. I don't know if you've heard a bit about it, Randy, um, but basically the through line, I'll pop it in the show notes. I actually haven't read it myself, but being in the realm of like mental health and um, also addiction and um, family systems, I've heard about it a lot. Um, but the through line was like, especially as an adult, once you realize that you are an adult and that everyone like say in a professional setting like most people you're working with are adults like handling their own shit like it becomes a lot easier to be like no <laughs> to say no to embody no to um yeah to and to like be okay with that and there's a part of me that really cringes at just the like societal and systematic structure of like 
lack of boundaries and toxicity in so many ways, right? right? And we see this in like the big T traumas and like the sexual abuse allocations, et cetera, that come out. Um, and, and then also just, I guess, more little T traumas, like lack of respect for one's time. Um, and one philosophy that I often lead in with is like, I'm just going to assume that like, no, like no one knows, right? It's kind of goes along with the like, assume no nothing, like ask questions. Um, obviously I'm stating there's an assumption there of me being like, well, what, like, what if they just don't know, right? Like, what if my boss was conditioned by her or his boss and their boss, and this is, this has been accepted for so many decades and like no one has been the catalyst for change, right? Like no one go and yeah, pop in. Like I, uh, I just, I, I love that you're saying that because you're so right, Courtney. I there's you can't have anger towards anyone. You you know, um, I understand that she's in a role where she's been asked to kind of inspire her team to get a certain amount of work done for the day, for the week, for the month. And and sometimes they're they're pushing those kinds of limits to see how far we can go. And what I've realized is that um, I'm not angry with anyone. I'm not, I'm once you were once I let go of any kind of anger that I once had, I really just created this buoyancy in my spirit by being curious and open to, oh, this person is just much in this behavioral pattern or in this learned way of being like I was. <laughs> I'm just now saying no. And It's so funny because they could, you know, at that point, what can they do when you're, when you stay in your breath, when you don't lose yourself to anger and what, what is their response? They really can't do anything. And I really think that's like the message that we should really be teaching people is that stay in your breath, stay in your Ujjayi breath and you can get through anything. Amen to that. It's just so much, so much affirmation in what you just said, Randy. And I am having this kind of like whirlwind of thoughts um, come to me in, in such a way that like, well, I'll just use an analogy of like, you're at, you're at a social event, you don't, you might not know anyone. And it, obviously, given the variance of the human mind, like there's so many thoughts that could be happening for some people are like, oh, that's my, that's my dharma. I love like meeting strangers and other people are like, you know, get me some snacks and put me in the corner and that's where I'll be. That tends to be more, well, I like them both, but that tends to be more my default first. Um, but it like my mantra <laughs> when I go into settings like that now, bless you, is um, like, find find their light find what someone like find what brings someone joy and get them talking about that and that might be so far from my periphery it might be about like video games or something maybe like engineering i don't know something i don't know a ton about but that doesn't mean i can't be interested or i can't be engaged in learning something new and learning something about that person um, and I bring that up because it, it integrates here. It ties in with like, like really finding your dharma and finding and like tapping into someone else's dharma and, and like getting like, 
I'm having this kind of like mm, accumulation of like people pleasing, which, but, but in like flipped into a positive light, like, yeah, obviously it can be so such a disservice when we're not taking care of ourselves, but when we are taking care of ourselves and we're authentically um, engaged in relationally with other people, there's so much love there. There's so much joy. There's so much abundance. Um, and I do love Randy, how you made the discernment of like, Hey, like you could, like I, you, anyone can approach confrontation as we might call it formally with our breath, with removal of, of a exasperated emotion. Um, and, and we can be there in a grounded way and we can be there with integrity. Um, and it's possible to be there without fear. Um, mm. Mm. I love that. Um, community connection. Wow. Just, I just can't get enough of it these days. Uh, and yoga, the yoga community, yoga, yoga habit, you know, one, uh, one of the studios that I teach at um, has really become such a, an example for me and what can happen when we come together and we, we just be ourselves. And there's, there could be so much forgiveness and room to just, just be human <laughs> and coming in with all this stuff that was put on us and recognizing that all of us come from very different backgrounds and that we're just doing the best we could with what we know and what we have. And I just love being able to remove that reactivity, the storylines from the people that I, that I meet. Yep. Yep. And that absolutely comes right back to self-study too, given it's almost, it's like hardwired in us as humans to have um, a first impression or maybe a preconceived notion. And oftentimes I found in my own experience, it takes that extra mental nudge to be like, okay, Courtney, you don't know this person and you might see this based off of initial observation. And what would it look like to elbow that to the aside of my mind and allow, um, yeah, allow new perception to come in uh, without, yeah, without that initial sense of bias. Um, and I do want to discern that between like a somatic safety. If it's like a red alarm that's like ding, 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 like obviously listen to that, obviously trust that um, and like get the heck out. <laughs> thanks, thanks for saying that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I never, I would never want anyone to go against um, their intuition of what they, what they feel and what they know to be not wrong, you know, not right for them. But I, I also, I'm speak I'm speaking from a place of just myself and being a, um, you know, a gay Mexican American male and often finding myself in, in, in predominantly white young female spaces and learning to just recognize that you know, whatever story I may have had in the past of what separated us, what separated me from these young white women in these spaces um, was really all an illusion. It was really in all recognizing that it was the way that I was socialized and recognizing that it never made sense to me. 
And it was through self-study and all, you know, all the other, um, you know, yoga principles and philosophies where I just, I just started seeing people as people <laughs> and I see potential now. I really do. I just see potential. And I, and I love that I can, can, can do that and see that nobody is born nobody chooses how the circumstances they're born into nobody chooses the family they're born into um you know their phenotype you know the color of their skin you know the color of their hair anything that nobody chooses any of those things and but yet we're almost made to believe that if you're born in certain types of circumstances then you're kind of better and it's it really it's really up to both sides, but more importantly, the ones that are born in circumstances that are not um, kind of celebrated in our culture, to be able to see past that and be like, wait a minute, no, I matter too. And I'm not going to, to be discouraged to go to a yoga, yoga studio and to, to practice yoga and talk about yoga and, and create community um, in a yoga studio that is predominantly young white women. And, you know, just, you know, let's, I mean, let's talk about our 30 hour advanced yoga teacher training. I was the only male. <laughs> I was also the only male of color and, uh, you know, queer identifying in a lot, you know, so many ways. And I mean, let's talk about that. And what was your, um, what were your thoughts about me? And how did that change as you got to know me into that kind of culmination where we taught together on our last day of training and then just recognizing we were kindred? And I remember you telling me once in a conversation, it's like, you also have, have got, you know, the brunt of, of how people view you as a young white woman. It's like, hey, just give me a chance, <laughs> right? Like, I, I'm actually like, I'm just Courtney. I'm just like myself and I'm just like this light and love and um, just give me a chance. So I, I just want, I'm just really curious to hear your thoughts on what your, you know, what your initial impressions of, were of me in this space um, at the well for our training and you know, how did that change and what are the things you kind of had to um, really like break apart, you know, like the storyline. Yeah. Oh, I so appreciate how you flip that, that introspection back on me. And I, so much similar to you, Randy, um, granted we are completely different people in different bodies, but we share and hold so, so many, so much similarity. Um, and I, um, in my like formal academic education and just me as Courtney, as my essence have, um, have just been just I, I have I constantly have a and I don't even want I will just name it as like cultural um, competency lens on or awareness of diversity but it, it's more so just like this human behaviorist lens where I'm like okay I see difference be it through phenotype be it through behavior and I don't distinguish based on that difference. Um, maybe immediately I do because like we're human and that's what we do. But it, but that like the discernment or distinguishment of difference doesn't mean it's paired with bias, right? So for example, when I see Randy as the only 
male of color in our very female training, I was like, F yeah. Like, and I am so attracted to people who are unapologetically themselves and who I can perceive have quote done the work, right? They are there, they are in their authenticity. They are maybe already in their Dharma or working towards being in their Dharma and they're just freaking owning it. And that's what I see. That's what I yearn for in relationship. I don't care what your race is. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care your socioeconomic background. I don't care where you live, what car you drive. None of that matters to me. I seek out soul connection. And so that's what matters to me in our in our kindred connection. And that's what matters to me in you showing up at that training and not like not turning a blind eye to as much as you could to the, the rest of the people in the room, right? Like one could easily say, oh, I'm the odd duck. And you were like, no, I, I own this space. I'm a part of this just as much as these white females. Um, And just to give a little bit of context, as I do acknowledge as a white female, I hold a tremendous amount of privilege in society um, and how we've been conditioned to to view privilege um, and to, I guess, just innately hold privilege. And as I shared with Randy in a separate conversation, um, and I'll use high school as a perfect example, um, as a white, heterosexual, blonde, blue-eyed female, I was the perceived mean girl. (laughs) And that is so far from who I am. And that's what I mean by my soul's yearning. Like, just give me a chance. Just have a conversation. And so people wouldn't talk to me, which might be surprising. But people wouldn't talk to me. I was the mean girl or the, quote, popular girl. or and And I wasn't that. Like, that's not who I am. Those aren't the labels that I take on and identify with, nor did I in high school. Um... I was told multiple times, like, you're, you're smart. Like, you don't, you don't look like you're smart. You know, comments like that, just pe- other people putting their think onto me. Um, so, and I will say for those of you who are into astrology, that's kind of helped me finding out my rising sign, my moon sign, and my sun sign has given a little bit of insight. Um, and I have a Scorpio rising sign. So for some, that can feel very intense um, or even intimidating because that's how I am perceived by them. But as a Cancer sun sign, I'm like mother, mama, nurturer. So I'm like, wait, no, all I ever want to do is love on you. Um, So it's just, uh, yeah, yet another modality to kind of help or not help your mind based on um, your interests. But yeah, I do find it so fascinating. It, it is fascinating, Courtney. And I I immediately picked up on that nurturing side that you um, just embody. And I also have that same quality, that nurturing quality. I can't help it. It's just such a part of me. And it's it's why I felt so connected with you in the, in the training and just really saw you for who you were. And But it starts with you, right? Um, getting aligned with your values. What are your values? Are you aligned with your values? Is this who you are? Are you just pretending or is it for somebody else? And I'm just so happy that I'm no longer looking out to feel validated um, or looking to be in certain spaces to affirm certain identities that I hold uh, and to make 
feel that I'm, I'm, I'm lacking in any kind of way. And but rather, I, I feel very whole and complete. And I guess there's this like confidence I have in these spaces because I, it's where I want to be. <laughs> I want to talk about the yamas and the now and the now in namas, and uh, I want to talk about uh, sequencing and how to reach people through yoga teaching, and you know, kind of turn it on ourselves, right? And and that bringing that introspection um, that comes through yoga, and how we relate to others, and and how we can connect in a way that feels authentic and real and supportive and encouraging. And I just want to say that there was a, a shift for me and there was this really powerful moment in my 200 hour yoga teacher training at Yoga Habit. Uh, we had just finished a, a eating, uh, a food meditation. We had just had lunch together as a group in silence with uh, one of the instructors, Caitlin Williams, kind of leading us through this um, guided meditation as we ate with um, questions and inquiry. And at the end of that meditation, we were asked to really speak on that experience. And it just felt, I just felt so compelled to, to really speak on something that I had really come to understand about myself. And so in my food meditation, I chose to go to Whole Foods to really um, make myself a really nice meal a really like nutritious, like delicious, you know, a very nourishing, I was really exci excited that I can one now afford it and two that I can, you know, do that for myself. And when I began to share, I was, you know, sharing with the group that, you know, as a kid um, in, through, well, in, in, in incredible poverty, uh, and, and having to deal with food insecurity and really taking eating whatever it is that's available and whatever it is that um, we can get at the moment and not taking it for granted, right? Just like kind of just eating it no matter what. And I had kind of made this observation that, you know, as a child, because of those reasons, I created a, a kind of a survival and a behavioral pattern where I would almost just eat anything that came my way. It just, it didn't know, I didn't know how to stop it almost. It was very compulsive. I would find myself at, at parties or, you know, be in the office and somebody would bring in something that I, I, I wasn't hungry. I didn't want to eat, but yet I found myself eating it and then being really angry with my, myself for having eaten it. Right. And, but, you know, no awareness of it, right. Still doing it, right. Still in this cycle of uh, this behavioral pattern that I had developed at a very early age. Until, you know, later in my adulthood where there was this shift of, wow, I, I eat when I'm hungry and I stop when I'm full. And as I'm telling this story, uh, I also shared some things about what it was like to be a kid um, having to navigate food insecurity and in, 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 in extreme poverty in some cases and how difficult that was. And how there was a lot of pain in that when you look back and you and you're you're able to 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 notice that pivot, that shift of how I used to to be, how I used to survive to where I am at now. And as I'm telling my story, there was these um, two young white women in the group that I that I got very close with. And I, they just looked at me. <laughs> and there was just such such compassion. It was so wholehearted and they were there with me 
And it was, it was so touching for me. And I just started to cry. Not out of my sadness or my pain or like I wasn't angry at like the fact that I had to deal with that, but it was more out of gratitude for that, you know, connection and community um, and to be seen by these two young white women in a, in a way that I felt very cared for. It, it was very powerful and it's just an example of the relationships you can have with people when you give them a chance and you just share your story and you just let yourself be your most authentic self without any kind of shame and, you know, reactivity to, to what you experienced because we've all experienced different things and it's okay. Can you give yourself enough space and compassion and self-love to be able to be okay with it and, and share it? And, you know, and if you can do that, don't be surprised that the magic starts to kind of happen. It's, mad, it's magic, right, Courtney? I mean, speak on that. Mm, uh, yes. And Randy, I'm sitting here and the first thing that's coming to my mind is I, as I'm feeling the love and compassion of that, that story you just shared. And I am like, I'm yearning for more of, of Randy's fifth chakra. <laughs> I, for those of you who are like, what does that mean? I'm yearning for more of Randy's voice. And I'm like, you, I don't, I'm very mindful of shooting on people, but I'm like, I long for you to start a podcast where I can listen to more of you, or maybe it's a different type of platform or, or modality. Uh, but that's all to say, I, I truly, so I learned so much from you in every one of our conversations. And, and I really, really deeply respect you sharing in honesty and vulnerability and in integrity. And I want, I want to affirm to you that's a felt sense um, when relationally connecting with you. And I'm also noting our time here as it's coming to a, to a close. Um, and I just want to open space for any other final thoughts and then also where our listeners can connect with you, Randy. Oh, okay. Well, that was uh, an incredible conversation. I just love having, I just love speaking with you, Courtney. Um, you have a way of really just um, giving me that space to just speak on it, right? To, to be able to share my story and, and, and do that. And it's a really wonderful thing. I, I guess just like last words, I, I just would love to just encourage and, so, and really encourage the audience, you know, the listeners to this podcast. And, and just, I just want to offer just incredible support to, to start shedding those layers off, those layers that don't make sense to them, those layers that were put on them um, through experiences, through expectations and Give yourself an opportunity to figure out who that person really is inside and just love that person and accept them and see what happens. See where it takes you. It's, it's very exciting. I currently teach at Yoga Habit um, in Fairmont, Philadelphia. Um, I'm also a sub at Thrive in Rittenhouse Square. Thrive Pilates and Yoga. And... I am currently in a Pilates instructor training program at Drexel Pilates. So I'm pretty much in a, in a lot of spaces right now. And I'm hoping to be in more spaces as I kind of grow in my practice and 
and I'm ready, like, you know, I have the time to really just kind of dedicate myself to, to teaching because it does take a lot of time and energy. You just can't show up not grounded, right, Courtney? I mean, just, you just can't show up in front of a group of people and not, and not be in your breath, not be present. And I, I recognize the, the weight of that. So I, I, I respect it. And I just, I'm curious to see where I go with all of this. I'm curious to see how I continue to expand and grow and I'm just more excited about the relationships that I, you know, I'm, I'm more excited about the not having have met all the people who are going to love me. Mm, add it again with one of those infamous Randy one-liners. It's so true. And what a beautiful offering to our listeners, leaning into the spaces where you have yet to meet, meet all of the people, or maybe it's one person who will love you so deep, deeply and, and from a sacred place and space. And Randy, I trust that we will meet again on the pod, be it yours or mine. <laughs> um, and I just, I so thank you for this conversation today. I'm, I'm so looking forward to our listeners tapping in. And please, if you want to continue the conversation with either Randy or myself, reach out to him. I'll tag his, his IG handle in the show notes. Reach out to me. You know where to find me. And uh, we'll keep this, this conversation of self-study, love, and compassion flowing. Thank you, Courtney. You're so welcome.